podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday. It is the 15th of August. I hope you're all well. Hope you all had a pleasant Monday. Uh, if you watched the Premier League last night, you'll have seen Manchester United 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0, a game in which United were outplayed and outclassed by a Wolves team that is still very much a work in progress. Uh, United looked very disjointed. They looked unable to progress the ball properly through midfield. Uh, they looked a shambles defensively. Wolves easily could have had three goals before United scored. 
Uh, Matthias Cunha was outstanding. Joao Gomes was outstanding. I thought Lamina was good. I thought Neto was dangerous, but not still not the Neto he was before the injury issues. But first game of the season, give him time. Sarabi is not a player I'm particularly keen on, so I didn't like his inclusion and I didn't think he played particularly well. Um, Nunes was excellent as well. And Wolves just outplayed United. That's the simple fact of it. They outplayed United. Uh, Sarabia should have scored. Um, Neto had a really good chance. Cunha was just electric. Absolutely electric. And he actually could have had two goals before United actually woke up and realized there was a game going on. Uh, the man they call The Butcher, which might be the worst nickname and most inappropriate nickname for any player in the history of the game, was a shambles, and Cunha had him for lunch. I was really disappointed that Sasa didn't start. I really wanted to see Wolves just absolutely torment a five foot four centre back, but instead, Cunha just picked the ball up and ran by him a bunch of times. And Martinez had absolutely no answer. Martinez had to be hauled off, and United improved when he went off because United are better without him. Look at the Premier League last season. United were significantly better without Lissandra Martinez in the team. Significantly better. And they would go on and win the game last night. Lovely ball from Bruno Fernandes over the top. Juan Bissaka runs onto it, kind of lifts it across the face of the, of the goal. It's just really poor defending from Wolves. Somehow Semedo's left 3v1. And Craig Dawson is standing having a look at things. Uh, Rafa Varane heads home from about four yards out and, and United go one up. Wolves should have had a penalty after that, though. It's one of the worst decisions you'll ever see. Uh, I thought the decisions made by Anthony Taylor at, at Stamford Bridge on Sunday were bad. This was a shocker. Cross comes in from the right. Sasa and Dawson are at the back post. It's actually Dawson that gets the head to it. But Onana comes out and basically forearms Sasa Kalidzic in the face and somehow no penalty is given. It's a disgraceful decision. Gary O'Neill was booked for his protests and then was told afterwards by a representative from the PGMOL that the, the officials got the decision wrong. But how does that help anybody after the fact? After you've robbed Wolves of a point they deserved in a game in which they fully deserved all three points, how does it help for you to tell them after the fact that they got it wrong? Now, those referees have been stood down and will not officiate a game in the coming weekend, but that's not enough. That isn't enough. Why are these referees constantly allowed to make mistakes? And no one's allowed to criticise them. Referees have had stinkers this weekend. In multiple games. And yet, oh, they won't referee next weekend. All right. Fair enough. What about the following weekend? Will they be back then? Will they be better then? Are they going to learn anything? No. In all likelihood, they're not. I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. 
majority of Premier League referees are not up to the standard. The majority of Premier League referees are simply not good enough to officiate games in the richest league in the world. Why is it that we have the elite level players being officiated by such poor referees? We need a complete cleansing of the referees in this league. We need to be recruiting footballers who actually understand the game, who've dropped out of academies at 19, 20, 21. Recruit them as referees. Give them a new pathway in football. If they're a player, I think there'll also be more respect from the other players. Not only that, but the VAR can no longer be made up of of referees. The VAR should be a completely separate entity to the PGMOL and to the group of referees who operate in the Premier League. There should be no connection with them at all because what happens is you get senior referees, and this is fact, this is reported fact, senior referees who when they get contradicted by the VAR, especially if that VAR is a junior referee, they will hold a grudge and they will approach them the next time they see them and scold them. There's a story of at least one referee, who we won't mention, but is a senior referee who's in, in uh, refereed in the Champions League, refereed international games, refereed at major tournaments, who has approached a junior referee last season and torn strips off him because that junior referee had the temerity to do their job and question a decision that that senior referee had made on the field. And that junior referee has since VAR'd a game with that senior referee in charge and let multiple major decisions that the referee got wrong on the pitch stand with the result on the pitch without questioning them, without pointing out the clear and obvious errors that were made. And that's unacceptable. Manchester United get a spawny three points that they didn't deserve. Wolves, very, very unfortunate, don't get the the result they deserve. And uh, they must now move on. So we'll do the winners and losers of this weekend's Premier League. Big winner, Newcastle, a 5-1 win over Aston Villa. Two teams that finished in the top seven last season. Two teams that will be playing in Europe this year. A fantastic performance by the tune. Fantastic result by the tune. Uh, Second big winner we're going to go with is Fulham. To go on the road on the opening day is tough especially with a lot of uncertainty around a couple of your players. They played well. They were missing, obviously, what I would say is their second best player in Paulinho. I think Mitrovic is their best player. Paulinho is their second best. Missing him, still went to Everton and got a win. Third winner of the weekend is Chelsea, but it's not because of anything they did on the pitch. It's it's signing Moises Caicedo. That's a phenomenally good signing. They've overpaid by a significant amount, but he is... 
he's one of the best midfield players in the league and will only get better. And having him and Enzo, it's a disgusting amount of money that they've paid, 222 million, I believe, to have the two of them. But they're 21, 22 years of age. Caicedo's 21, he'll be 22 in a couple of months. Enzo's 22. That's a long-term midfield that could be really, really special together as long as you put the right team around them. Now, Chelsea have issues in attack, issues in defence, and very big issues in goal. But that midfield is is incredible. And behind them, you'll have Lavia, who they're also getting. Um, you'll have Andre Santos, who is a huge talent. Leslie Ogachukwu, huge talent. Cesare Kaiseida, huge talent. Uh, I know he's on loan for the season and, and Ugachoku and, and Santos may also find their way on loan, but Chelsea have them on their books, so they will have them for the long term. And um, Karni Chukwemeke, who uh, plays a little bit more attacking for Chelsea, but can play in a double pivot. They still own Conor Gallagher, who's a, a decent player, not a, not a top-level le- player, but certainly has has value and use in the Premier League. If they want to sell him, they'll get a decent fee for him. Um, so all things considered, like Chelsea have spent incredible amounts of money on that midfield. Let's actually just, if we can, let's try and tot up uh, how much Chelsea have. How much Chelsea have spent on this midfield. So Caicedo is $115 million. Uh, Ogochukwu, I believe they spent 21, so there's 136 this summer. Um, Lavia is due to come in, that's 60, so that's 196, that's just this summer. Um, we go back to last season, 196, they signed Enzo for 107, I believe. Um, so that's 303 million. Um, Carney was about 15, Santos was about the same. What I say was 304, 334, including Carney and Santos. And I haven't got Caicedo here. Uh, let's go back. Where will I find him? Cesare Caicedo. Cesare Caicedo. Uh, Caicedo, I should say. Um, I think he cost. 12 million, yeah. So you're looking at 350 million just in midfield. Now, the result is an incredible group of players, all 22 years of age and under. The question is, is there any organization and leadership in that group? Is there any, is there grown up in the room to be added? Um, and also, can you keep all of those players happy? Like that's that's the thing. Can you keep all of those players happy? Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious to see whether they can keep them all happy. I, I have 
significant doubts that they can keep them all happy. Uh, we've just had reports that David Rea to Arsenal is a confirmed deal. It's a three million loan with a twenty three million option to buy by the looks of it. Um and it's an option where if he plays a couple of games it becomes an obligation and they have to buy him. Uh FFP hampering Arsenal. You'll note FFP hampering Arsenal. Not hampering Chelsea though, strangely enough. Chelsea seem to have no issues with FFP can just go and drop a hundred and seventy million in a weekend having already spent the guts of two hundred million in the window before that. Um let's move on then. And let's go around oh losers, sorry, losers from the weekend. Uh first loser, I would say Aston Villa, just because you get hammered five one. It's it's a little bit of a blow having put in so much work in the summer and clearly spent, you know, big money on a couple of players as well and, and expecting to kick on from last season. Uh second loser, I'm gonna say Wolves because they were robbed. I think they're they're the next big loser here. They were robbed of, of a point last night. There's no way around it. And third is Liverpool because they're the ones who lost out on Caicedo and Lavia. Now, I'm not overly stressed about losing out on Lavia. And I'm not even overly worried about losing out on Caicedo because on Wednesday, I didn't think there was any even slight possibility that Liverpool could get him. But, you know, it just sucks to lose out on both players. Now, there's plenty of other good options and I'm, I'm confident that Liverpool will get the right players in. I think the first call should be Czech Dukure. Get get on Palace and whatever the price is. If it's 80 million, find a way to work it down. 65 and add-ons to 75. I think Palace would take that. And then go and get another one. Manu Kone is, the for me, the perfect one. You get those two in. No harm, no foul. Everything works out. You you get two immense young midfielders who hugely improve you. Hugely improve you. Ducure is significantly better than Fabinho at this point in time and is 23 with plenty of room to grow. And Manu Kone is better than Jordan Henderson without a shadow of a doubt. So you've hugely improved your midfield. And when you factor they got 52 million for those two, Kone and... Dakuri would cost around a hundred million for a forty-eight million outlay to get that much of an improvement. I think you're in pretty good shape. Um, we'll go around the leagues now and see what took place at the weekend. Coventry City three, Middlesbrough nil. Uh, Matt Gooden, Hadji Wright, the uh, USA international, and a late Daryl Lenehan penalty. Uh, Hull City 4, Sheffield Wednesday 2, and Ozan Tufan Hattrick and Aaron Connolly with 1 for Hull. Rotherham 2, Blackburn Rovers 2. Sammy Smodzic, who hopefully will be playing for Ireland in the next little while, getting both goals for Blackburn. Uh, Fred Onyedinma scored in the 48th minute for Rotherham to put them 2-0 up. And then got sent off two minutes later and allowed Blackburn back in. Blackburn get two late goal, 75th and 78th minute goals. Uh, Huddersfield nil, Leicester won. Uh, Steffi Mavadidi with the only goal of the game. He's looked impressive in both outings 
thus far. I've say I've been I've been impressed by what I've seen from um from Leicester in in their opening games. Uh, I do wish they wouldn't play Yannick Vestergaard though because he's just not very good. But in the Championship, it's probably fine. Southampton four, Norwich four in what was an absolutely mental game. Uh, Josh Sargent put Norwich one up. Bednarak equalised. Adam Armstrong put Southampton two one up. Gabriel Sara equalised with an absolute stunner. Then Norwich went three two up through Jonathan Rowe. Che Adams equalised. Norwich go four three up through Fasnacht. Christian Fasnacht. But Adam Armstrong scores in the 97th minute, his second penalty of the day. And uh, 4-4. Norwich had 15 shots, six on target, which is really impressive away from home. Southampton had 31 shots. (laughs) 31 shots, 11 on target. An absolutely mental game. West Brom 3, Swansea 2. Uh, Sammy AJ, John Swift with the winner in that one, Harry Darling and Nathan Wood scoring for Swansea, uh, Watford nil, Plymouth nil, Preston two, Sunderland one, uh, Will Keane, Mads Froker Jensen, uh, Jack Clark with a penalty for Sunderland, but they didn't have enough, uh, Ipswich two, Stoke City nil, Cardiff one, QPR two, um, Sinclair Armstrong, I do like him, and Kenneth Paul with the goals for QPR. Uh, shout out to Monkey Sponge. Uh, Birmingham won, Leeds nil. Late, late Birmingham penalty, the only goal in that one. Millwall nil, Bristol City won. Matty James in the 94th minute with the only goal there. So that's two games completed in the championship, and so far only two teams have won both games. Ipswich, newly promoted, and Leicester, who obviously were relegated from the Premier League. So they're top of the league with six points. Uh, Then you've got Watford, Plymouth, Norwich, Southampton, Blackburn, Preston, Birmingham, and Bristol, all with four points. Coventry, Hull, Stoke, West Brom, Millwall and QPR all have three points. Cardiff, Swansea, Leeds and Rotherham have one point. And Sunderland, Sheffield, Wednesday, Huddersfield and Borough with no points. Quite surprising about Borough because I did think they were going to be one of the favourites to come up this season. Um, They did sell Chuba Akpam. I, I do wonder if they'll keep hold of Hayden Hackney. Michael Carrick obviously did a fantastic job last season, but it can often be tough for a manager in that first full season, because obviously he took over partway into last season. It can often be really tough, you know, when they have to do all the planning in pre-season and everything. That can be difficult. So we'll see how Carrick goes. But, I mean, top of the league, Ipswich, Kieran McKenna, who worked with Carrick at United, they were both part of the coaching staff under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, Kieran McKenna has done an incredible job since taking over at Ipswich. If you do get a chance to watch, watch Ipswich, they play really good football. So do Borough, by the way. They both play really good football, which would make you wonder why United played such turgid stuff under Ollie. That has to be all Ollie because these two lads are exceptionally good young coaches and 
very progressive in how they go about their business. Um, to League One, we go. Oxford won Carlisle nil. Uh, Cheltenham nil. Bolton three. Two from Dion Charles in that one. Bristol Rovers won. Barnsley won. Exeter nil. Blackpool nil. Leighton Orient nil. Portsmouth four. Uh, Marlon Pack. Omar Beckles with an own goal. Solid, solid win for Portsmouth away from home. Burton Albion nil. Derby County three. James Collins and Connor Hurhan both on the scoreline there. Lincoln City 3, Wickham 0. Teddy Bishop among the goals. Um, Port Vale 1, Reading 0. Wigan 2, Northampton 1. Callum McManaman still knocking about. He's, he's a really fun player. He was one of the, not the first, but he was... Years ago, he was playing as an inverted right right winger, like a lefty right winger. Um, when he because he came through at Wigan, at Wigan, and people will remember him from then. But he's had the complete journeyman career, and now he's found himself back at Wigan, and he's still only thirty two. Um, was an Everton academy player, got released, went to Wigan, broke through there, including a loan spell at Blackpool. Um, he's it, since. 2015, when he left Wigan, he's played for West Brom, alone at Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, a season at Wigan, Luton, Melbourne victory, Tranmere. He is a he is a scouser, so he you know went close to home, and now he's back at Wigan, which is is great to see. Um, really, really exciting player when he's on his game. Hasn't become the player that he promised that he might be, but yeah, definitely a definitely a good player. One. One that I've always had a had a bit of a soft spot for. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, Peterborough won, Charlton nil. I am still staggered that nobody has come in and bought Ronnie Edwards yet. I really don't understand why even a Championship club hasn't picked him up. But he's good enough to play in the Premier League. Uh, Stevenage two, Shrewsbury nil, and Fleetwood nil. Cambridge United 2. On Peterborough, there is some mad stuff going on about their ownership. Um, Not Dara McAnthony, the other part of the ownership. It's worth keeping an eye on Peterborough over the next little while. Uh, In terms of the table, Bolton, Cambridge, Stevenage and Peterborough all have six points. Barnsley, Portsmouth, Exeter and Blackpool all have four Derby, Lincoln, Charlton, Oxford, Shrewsbury, Port Vale all have three. Bristol Rovers have two. Carlisle and Fleetwood have one. Northampton, Reading, Cheltenham, Burton, Leighton Orient, Wickham and Wigan have... Well, all bar Wigan have none. Wigan have minus two because Wigan started the season on minus eight. And even though they've won both games thus far, they're still on minus two. So on the plus side for them, it means they have closed that gap and given themselves now a phenomenally good chance of survival in the division. Because when you start the season with an eight-point deduction, survival is all you can really think of. You can't plan beyond that. But now the fact that there are six teams who are only two points ahead of them 
eight teams who are within three points of them and you've got a better goal difference than all of them, that's a really good position for them to be in so they can actually build on something. And I'd really like to see Wigan do well. What they've been through as a club the last couple of years is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. And frankly, the fact that they're being punished for the actions of a criminal it's beyond me how the prim- how the football league can give them points deductions and not and not just feel horrified about what they're doing now i know the rules are the rules but jesus christ wigan were in a decent financial situation and a guy tanked them put them into administration all because he gambled heavily on wigan getting relegated there was so much money placed on Wigan getting relegated in Asia. It was clear what the plot was. Like the fact that there was that much money on Wigan getting relegated from the championship into League One, or was it League One into League Two? I can't remember the time. Either way, it must have been the championship of the League One. Either way, it, it made it very clear that this was something that was a, a criminal enterprise. And Wigan, the players, the coaches, the staff that are there, the ones that lost their jobs, the fan base, obviously, what they've had to go through is is a disgrace. And the Football League should be ashamed of themselves. Um, into League Two, Newport County 4, Doncaster 0, Swindon Town 2, Crew Alexandra 2, AFC Wimbledon 1, Wrexham 1, Elliot, uh, Elliot Lee for Wrexham, a James Tilly penalty for AFC Wimbledon. Walsall 2, Stockport 1, MK Dons 1, Tranmere 0, Harrogate Town 1, Forest Green, sorry, Harrogate Town 0, Forest Green 1. Uh, unfortunately, there are no Duncan Ferguson stats to be done because the big dunk is no longer the manager of Forest Green, uh, which will probably explain why they've won a game of football. Um, Barrow 2, Sutton United 1, Gillingham 1, Accrington Stanley 0, Notts County 3, Grimsby Town 2, Salford 1, Crawley 1, Bradford 2, Colchester 1, and Mansfield 3, Morecambe 0. So, MK Dons, Barrow, and Gillingham all have 6 points. Mansfield, Salford, and Crawley all have 4 Sutton, Accrington Stanley, Newport, Walsall, uh, Bradford, Harrogate, Forest Green, Morecambe and Notts County all have three. Crewe and AFC Wimbledon have two. Swindon, Grimsby and Wrexham have one. Colchester, Stockport, Tranmere and Doncaster all yet to register a point. We will head for the continent where we start our journey in France. Their league kicked off on Friday like the Premier League. Uh, nice 1, Lille 1, Laborde for Nice, Diacate for Lille, Marseille 2, Reims 1, Unahi, the Moroccan midfielder, started the World Cup. Oh, um, he scored the first for Marseille, Vitinha scored the second, uh, Junior Ito scored the goal for Reims. Reims have had a good summer though, so keep an eye on them this year. PSG 0, Laurent 0. Um, that PSG team just isn't isn't really it. Um, 
Donnarumma in goal. Fair. Hakimi and Lucas Fernandez or Lucas Fernandez is the fullbacks. Fair. Schrinier in the middle. Fair. But Danilo Pereira, yuck. At centre back, yuck. Warren Zaire Emery is is phenomenally good, and he's only seventeen. He's going to be an absolute star. And Ugart is tremendous, but I, I wouldn't be a big fan of Vitinha. Uh, Kang and Lee is not a PSG caliber player. I'm not sure what they were considering there. Uh, Goncalo Ramos and Marco Asensio. That's just not a front three that's going to inspire much. Uh, Marquinhos came off the bench. Fabian Ruiz, Carlos Soler, and Hugo Ekatiki also coming off the bench. Now they have Mbappe to come back. They have uh, Dembele to come in. They're getting rid of Neymar. So these are all positive things. But a nil-nil start, you know, disappointing for them. Brest three, Len two. Uh, Roman Di Castillo with two penalties for Brest in that one. Nantes one to lose two. Late goal by Rasmus Nicolaisen. Uh, Clermont for two, Monaco four. Vanderson, Wissam Ben Yedder, and a late goal by Akalush for Monaco there. Good start to the season. Uh, Montpellier 2, Le Havre 2. Accor Adams with the two goals for Montpellier. Did Iliawahi play? Came off the bench. Came off the bench. Um, Len 5. Sorry, Ren 5. Uh, Mets 1. Kalamundo, Guri, Doku, and Ibrahim Salah with two. Uh, Yusuf Maziz with the only goal for Mets. It was actually Kalamundo scored. Maziz scored a minute later to equalize. And then in the second half, Ren just absolutely tranced them. And that Ren team has, has got some really interesting players. Lots of attacking talent. Lots and lots of attacking talent. Um, Name to keep an eye on Desiree Du. I think I've mentioned him a few times. He is 18. Really, really talented. His brother, uh, Guella, he's now made his way into the first team as well. He's a little bit older. I think he's two years older. Um, but he's more of a defensive kind of utility player, but talented as well. But Desiree Du is, is maybe the most talented young player in France at the moment. Um, Strasbourg to Leon one, uh, Bellegarde and Matipa with the goals. Tagliafico with a late consolation for Leon, who actually dominated the game but just couldn't take advantage of their chances. Um, Chelsea Loney, Angelo Gabriel came off the bench. Yeah, there we go. Right. Table, um, Ren top, Monaco, Brest, Toulouse, Marseille, Strasbourg, Le Havre, Montpellier, Lille, Nice, Laurent, PSG. All from Le Havre to PSG have one point. All those above Strasbourg up to Ren of three, obviously. And then Len, Leon, Reims, Nantes, Clermont Foot, and Metz have Nipois. Right. Uh, La Liga also kicked off their season on Friday. Um, Almeria nil, Rio Vallecano, t- Vallecano two, Sevilla one, Valencia two. In what was a fairly bad tempered game, uh, Real Sociedad one, Girona one, Las Palmas one, Mallorca one. They're really good to see Las Palmas back in the top flight. I am looking for a particular player. 
he doesn't appear to have played for Las Palmas this weekend. And I'm wondering, have I missed a transfer? Uh, Squad. No. Alberto Malero is the player I'm looking for. Um, I'm stunned he's still there. I'm absolutely stunned he's still there. If if your club needs a really exciting 10-second striker inside forward, he'd be one to go and get. Not a big goal scorer, but a great dribbler, a great creator. Uh, moving along, uh, Athletic Club de Bilbao, nil. Real Madrid, two. Rodrigo and Jude Bellingham with the goals. Celta Vigo, nil. Osasuna, two. Villarreal won, Real Betis two. Uh, William Jose with a late, late winner for Betis. Uh, Hitafe nil, Barcelona nil. Rafinha sent off for Barcelona in the 42nd minute and Jaime Mata sent off for Hitafe in the 57th. Cadiz won, Alaves nil. Atletico Madrid three, Granada won. That was last night. Uh, Alvaro Morata put Atleti one up. Um, Ogahawa scored for Granada. Memphis Depay scored probably the best goal scored anywhere at the weekend. Uh, do make sure you find that goal. It is, it is a thunder bastard. Is what it is. And Marcus Llorente scored in the last minute of stoppage time to make it three one. Um, the Portuguese league also kicked. Oh, sorry, the, the league table. I did, not that it really matters because. In fairness, has been one game, but just for the consistency of it. Uh, Atletico Madrid, top. Osasuna, Real Madrid, Real Vicano, Valencia, Real Betis and Cadiz all have three points. Mallorca, Sociedad, Las Palmas, Girona, Barca and Hatafe have one point. Villarreal, Sevilla, Alaves, Granada, Almeria, Celta Vigo and Athletic Club have nothing. Um I have too many windows open here. Okay, Portuguese League kicked off. Braga 1, Familiqueo 2. Gil Vicente 5, Porto Menense 0. Ferenc 0, Casapia 3. Sporting 3, Vasilla uh, 2. Um, Victor Jokerez, the former Coventry striker, scored twice and um, by all accounts looked exceptionally good. I haven't yet watched that game. The midfield, I don't love, but the attack and def- and back three of Sporting are a lot of fun. Um, the midfield, I just wouldn't be overly keen on. Uh, Rio Ave, two. Chavez, nil. Estrella Amadora, nil. Vittoria, one. Aruca, four. Estrel Preya, three. Morenens, one. Porto, two. Uh, Godfried Frimpong put Moranen's one up. Tony Martinez and Wendell put um, Porto back in front, and then Wendell was sent off in stoppage time. Um, finally, Boa Vista three, Benfica two. In what is the shock of the weekend? Uh, Angel de Maria back at Benfica put them one up. Robert Bosnick scored in the 55th minute to equalise. That was after Pitar Musa had been sent off for um, Benfica. So Benfica were were down to 10 men for, considering this game went over 100 minutes, for 50 minutes. 
Um, Bosnick scores to equalise. Then Rafa Silva scores and puts Benfica 2-1 up. Uh, Bruno Lorenko scores in the 90th minute to make it 2-2. Then Lorenko gets sent off in the 101st minute. And then in the 103rd minute, Bosnick scores and gives Boa Vista the win. That's a bit of a shocker. Uh, Gil Vicente are top of the league. Um, Casapia, Rio Ave, Aruca, Boa Vista, Sporting, Familicao, Porto, and Vitoria have three points. And all the rest have no points. No draws in that league this weekend, which I like to see. Uh, draws are the devil. Um, Serie A will kick off on Saturday. So we'll talk a bit more about them, I'm sure, later in the week. But some decent games lined up. Genoa back in the top flight. Take on Fiorentina. Uh, Sassuolo against Atalanta is fun. Bologna Milan could be fun. Inter versus Monza is fun, giving who owns Monza. Um, now, I suppose the issue with Monza is their owner did die um, in the summer. Uh, Silvio Berlusconi passed away at 86 years of age, but to my knowledge, and I could be wrong about this, but to my knowledge, uh, he his family have inherited the club. Let's just make sure I'm right about that. AC Monza. Hmm. Yes, Berlusconi's daughter, Marina, is the new owner of the club. So whether she's working with the day-to-day I have no idea, but um, I mean, Galliani is still there, isn't he? Yeah, he's the CEO of Monza. So, I mean, he was the he was the real brains behind the great AC Milan teams, and now he's he's at Monza as well. An absolute genius. Um, so yeah, Syria kicks off on. Saturday, the Bundesliga kicks off on Friday with Werder Bremen against Bayern. A Bayern team that are in a little bit of flux at the moment. Obviously, Harry Kane in the door, but still a lot of work to do. Leverkusen Leipzig looks like the game to watch there, though, if you are looking for for a bit of action on the Saturday afternoon at at 2.30. That's that. We'll take a break. When we come back, news and gossip. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, news today, Rico Lewis has signed a new five-year contract with Manchester City. It's a really good decision by City. He looks a hugely talented player, the best player to come out of Bury since the Nevilles, by the looks of things, and potentially a lot more talented than either Neville. Um, was was very impressed with him whenever I saw him last season, whether that was a fullback or playing in midfield. And... Um, I think it's I think it's great that City have locked him up and City's Academy just continues to be along with Chelsea's the best in Europe. Um it looks like Harry Maguire's deal to or move to West Ham might fall through because he is not happy with the personal terms on offer. He wants, I assume, his contract at United matched. United are not willing to do so. 
Um, Eric Ten Hag continues to gaslight Maguire, saying he'd be better off leaving United if he's not confident enough to battle for a first-team spot. It's all well and good saying that. He's clearly your fourth-choice centre-back. And if we take a look at last season, the way he was used was, not going to say disrespectful, but it was a clear message to Maguire that you're not really part of the plans here. So you'll remember Maguire started the season as first choice next to the Garden Gnome, and he played against Brighton and against Brantford. Then he was on the bench for three games and didn't come on. Then he came on for the last 10 minutes against Arsenal. Then he was out for five games with a hamstring injury. Then he came back and he played against West Ham. Then he was on the bench for two games. Then he started one of the next four and came off the bench and the other three playing a total of 15 minutes off the bench. Then he was on the bench for two more, didn't come on. Then he came on for three minutes against Crystal Palace, didn't get a run out against Leeds. They played Leeds immediately afterwards because games were being rescheduled after the Queen's passing, etc. Played all 90 minutes against Leeds. Uh, wasn't in the squad for the Leicester game, was on the bench against Liverpool when they got hammered 7-0, played one minute off the bench against Southampton, was on the bench and didn't play against Newcastle and Brentford, played the 90 minutes in both game, in, in bo- against both Everton and Forest. United kept clean sheets in both of them, and won both games. And then he wasn't in the squad for the Spurs game. He played four minutes off the bench against Villa. Didn't get off the bench against Brighton or West Ham. Played nine minutes off the bench against Wolves. Didn't get off the bench against Bournemouth or Chelsea. And played all 90 in the final day victory over Fulham. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight starts in the Premier League last season. Eight starts. Um, a total of 759 minutes. Probably more like 800 when we consider stoppage time on his starts. But 800 minutes in the Premier League. In the Europa League, he played in the first group stage game. Played all 90 minutes. Played one minute against Sheriff Tiraspol. Missed the two games against Ammonia. Was a sub against Sheriff and Real Sociedad. Came on in both games. Didn't get off the bench against Barcelona. Didn't get off the, in either game. Didn't get off the bench in the home game against Betis. Did play the full game away to Betis. Came off the bench against Sevilla when the gnome hurt his foot. And then played away to Sevilla. Uh, in the FA Cup, came off the bench against Everton. Started all three games against Reading, West Ham and Fulham. Was in the squad for the Brighton game and came was on the bench against City in the final, but didn't get on. In the EFL Cup, he played in the third round against Villa, was in the squad against Birmingham, sorry, Burnley, was started against Charlton, missed the Forest game in the semi-final first leg through suspension, played 10 minutes in the second leg and got on for 10 minutes in the final. Sorry, two minutes in the final. Two minutes in the final. Um, so, I mean... 
it's all well and good talent to stay and fight for a spot. You've made it clear that you don't rate him. So at the end of the day, he, he's not stupid. He knows that you're not a fan and that in all likelihood, he's not going to get many opportunities under you, Eric Ten Hag. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what the situation is. Um, Transfer-wise, David De Gea is, or sorry, David De Gea. David Rea is a done deal. Uh, obviously, Caicedo, Harrison and Ward-Prowse were all done yesterday. Kepa to Real Madrid on loan is a done deal. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is signed for Besiktas. Uh, Fred has left Manchester United to go to Fenerbahce. Usman Dembele and Harry Kane have completed their moves. Gustavo Hammer has completed his move to Sheffield United. Wilson Odebert. I missed this. Wilson Odebert has joined Burnley. Keep an eye on that kid. Now that is Manchester City doing that, doing them a favour because that kid is supremely talented. Supremely talented. Only 18. Keep an eye on him. He was at Troy's. Troy's were owned by City. When City bought Troy's, he was one of the players they went and they nicked there from PSG's academy. Super, super talented. Keep an eye on him. Uh, Adama Traore signed for Wolves. Um, Yusuf Chermeti signed for Everton. Uh, Charlie Patino, Patino joined Swansea on a season-long loan from Arsenal. Little surprised that that's a, a loan. Uh, he, he wanted a permanent move, but they've managed to convince him to stick around. And Jensen Weir has joined Blackpool on loan from Brighton, and that's about the height of the excitement there. Uh, we'll go with our Garth Crooks team of the week and see what he's done. Uh, he's put Burnt Leno on goal. That's just... Um, just have a look at this now yeah to be fair nine shots on target kept a clean sheet so I'm, I'm fine with that Joachim Anderson yeah Virgil van Dijk yeah Thiago Silva fair enough he had very little to do uh, Liverpool made it so easy on him uh, he's put Saka and Lamina as wingbacks that's what he's done Saka who plays in Arsenal's front three he shoved him in as a wingback all to get Jared Bowen in because Jared Bowen scored a worldie. But he didn't do anything else in the game. Saka should be in the front three. I, I'd actually... I'd give a nod to Reese James. I thought he had a good game. Uh, so I'd put him in as the right wing back. Um, Tonali scored, so that's why he's in. Did play well, in fairness, but you know, he scored. And Rodri scored. But Rodri was very quiet in that game. Haaland got two. Again, very quiet in the game. Um, Matthias Cooney should be in the team of the week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matthias Cunha put on maybe the best individual performance of anybody this weekend, but, you know, you'd have to watch football to see that. Um, we'll do the gossip and we're done. West Ham are considering pulling out of the deal for Harry Maguire. If a move for Maguire is abandoned, David Moyes will turn his interest to either Jonathan Ta or Odilon Kasuna. Now, this is lazy journalism, I fear. Uh, Jacob Steinberg he is decent for West Ham but they're just two players that Tim Steedtan signed for so, or, well he, he signed Kasuno. I don't think he signed Ta I think Ta was signed before he was there but they were two players he knew well from Leverkusen uh, West Ham want to replace Lucas Paqueta with Mohamed Kudus that wouldn't be a bad 
wouldn't be a bad um, replacement at all. Monaco are expected to return with an approved offer for Fowler and Balogun, who the Gunners value at 50 million. He's not worth 50 million. Nobody values him at 50 million. That's nonsense. Uh, Romeo Lavia wants to join Chelsea or Liverpool. That's fine. Enjoy sitting on the bench, son. Chelsea are also considering a move for Michael Elise. Um, at some point, the Premier League are just going to have to step in here because this is becoming laughable, frankly. Crystal Palace and Everton are interested in Alex McCarthy. Um, he'd make a good backup for both. Uh, he was meant to join Luton, but talks fell apart there. Everton have taken Malik Mudashil on trial after the 19-year-old failed to agree a new contract at Chelsea. Uh, Brighton are in discussions over a 15 million deal for Carlos Beliba of Lille and have already agreed personal terms as they look to fill the void left by Moises Caicedo. Superbly talented young Cameroonian midfielder. Now, Lille apparently want more than that. They want like 20-25. He's not ready to start every game in the Premier League. But I would be surprised if he's not one of two. I think Luke, Lucas Gorn and Doat will arrive as well from Salzburg and they'll probably just bring the two of them in and develop them together. Uh, Liverpool, Newcastle, AC Milan and Juventus are among the other clubs who have been on Believa's trail. If I was Liverpool, I'd just sign him out of spite. Um, Arsenal defender Gabriel is the latest player to be targeted for a move to the Saudi Pro League. Fair enough. Tottenham have identified Gift Urban as the player to replace Harry Kane. Gift Urban is incredibly talented. I don't know that he's ready to replace Harry Kane, but Spurs should definitely grab him. Um, Nottingham Forest have re-established a working arrangement with George Sirianos, the club's former head of recruitment. That's interesting. Uh, Aston Villa are close to completing a loan deal for Nicolo Zaniolo with an option to buy. I think it's actually an obligation to buy. But we'll wait and see. Newcastle have made fresh contact with Arsenal over Kieran Tierney, but the Gunners want 30 million. Toon can't afford 30 million. They'd have to get him on loan. Uh, Mark Kukare is another option. Again, it would have to be a loan. Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Chelsea, and Manchester City all turned down the chance to sign Neymar before he joined El Halil. That's come from the independent from Miggledy. Um, the reintegration of Kylian Mbappe into PSG's squad is not dependent on him signing a new contract. But if Neymar goes and they're bringing in Dembele, don't be surprised if he does sign a new deal. Uh, Everton have opened talks with PSG over a loan or an option to buy for Hugo Ekatiki. I, I, they've just signed a young striker. They've already got two out-and-out number nines, which is what he is. I just don't see it being true. Uh, Jesse Lingard could be set to rejoin West Ham and despite training with Inter Miami, would prefer to play in the Premier League. Jesse Lingard will go wherever the money is. Uh, we know that. And uh, and that's fair play to him, to be fair. But that is that. That's all I have for today, folks. Thank you as always. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Network.